Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Frost is the owner and founder of Bullshito.net, which is a website that started as a way to combat fraud in the martial arts and gradually expanded its coverage area to all manner of false claims and misinformation. The site, as well as the associated podcast, are an invaluable resource in the ongoing information war we find ourselves in. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe to the newsletter at didnothingwrongpod.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. We've got a great show for you today. Thanks for joining us. Frost, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. We are really excited to have you here. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. I've personally been a fan of Bullshito since about 2005. I discovered you guys maybe three to four months after I started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it was amazing. So you guys were kind of there with me for like my whole time going through all the belts in Jiu-Jitsu. And it's really great to be talking to you because I don't think a lot of people that might be listening understand what the landscape in martial arts was like before you guys came along. That there were a lot of people out there who were making all manner of dubious claims about all manner of things. And to my knowledge, Bullshito was the first attempt by really anybody to come through and make those people put up or shut up. Yeah. And a lot of them just ended up shutting up because they had nothing to put up, as it were. So can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea to do this project? Honestly, um, what happened was we were kind of hanging out. Everybody's either MMA fans or athletes or training back in the day. And this is circa like 2001, 2002. Uh, there were only a handful of forums out there for the sport because it was nowhere near where right. it is today. Um, and so a lot of people that had just trained in martial arts, various ones, were, were hanging out on forums because that's where things were back then. They hadn't even invented the term social media. So we were... Uh, right, right. Uh, then we, a lot of us were on the Abu Dhabi Combat Club forum because if you remember... Uh, the uh, I committee, remember that, yes. Yeah, they were, they were uh-huh. the big one because there was a huge movement over there. A lot of people doing you know, jujitsu. I think one of the actual princes was, was sponsoring a lot of the Gracie family come over there and train. And so they had their own little forum. And a couple of us were hanging out on it. As the story goes, we were discussing some, some pretty shady stuff going on that was actually going on about around a couple of the different forums. Trying to, uh, uh, there was one athlete that was doing some shady stuff. Well, I won't get too far into it because I don't want to run the, so in, into liability here. <laughs> <laughs> Tale as old as time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, and that's exactly why we started the, the website because people were going through and shutting down all discussion on this topic. And so we were like, you know what? At that, we started up our own platform where people could discuss some of the like unseemly things, some of the, uh, the ridiculous stuff without being concerned about being canceled or like shut down. Or We had our own right. platform, and it was open to whoever, and we realized within a short span of time that we just couldn't have it just completely unfiltered. So instead of having an active moderating staff, our, our moderators would just nudge the conversation towards 
okay, do you have evidence for this? What, what is supporting this? Do you have, what, what proof do you have for the claims that you're making? And being in the martial arts community, when we started calling out, you know, certain flaky, weird, you know, weirdos and con artists and grifters and people that claimed superpowers and all kinds of stuff. Because like you said, <laughs> that was the landscape. Oh, yeah. And so we set up this the system. It, it, I didn't even come up with this. It was sort of organically manifested where people would show up from the forums in person at various martial arts schools and just beat the piss out of each other. So we call those throwdowns. Right, right. One of my great regrets in life is that I never actually got to do one. I'm up in Seattle, Washington, and there wasn't a whole lot of people from Seattle, maybe two or three. Yeah. I never actually got to go to a throwdown, which really kind of bummed me out because that sounded like such a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So was this people that had a had a beef that, that needed to settle it and would come to the throwdown or just yes, for the hell of it no, sometimes? People that were just totally got along with each other. They'd still beat the shit. Can I curse on this podcast? Oh, oh yes. Absolutely. Yes, you can curse okay. on this it's podcast. I, I feel like I'm curse. Go right the fuck ahead. Uh, yeah, so they would just beat the shit out of each other for fun. I mean, because that's kind of the spirit of things, you know, that's the mm-hmm. martial arts. And so there was there was a lot of sparring that was not without any or that was without any malice. And there were some that was with actual, you know, bad intentions. And uh, we, we still have tons of video somewhere uh, in the archives of, of those events. <laughs> um, it, it was there were definitely some epic moments. And, and that actually when it comes to throw down and the people that showed up were afforded a certain level of respect. We even like gave them a special identifier on the, on the forums to show that, you know, right. even if they got their ass kicked, they showed up to show what they could do. We changed a lot of minds that way. I mean, you know, not just through head trauma. We, um, the people that didn't show up at all, like, immediately you could write them off. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we sort of expanded on a lot of things. And we accidentally bumbled into the scientific method uh, to be honest. yeah because people would show up and they would think you know i've trained 20 years of white poodle kung fu i've learned all of these various tricks from you know sensei and they would show up and they would get owned by the average jujitsu blue belt in very short order and then they would kind of have to evaluate yeah what did i just spend all this time learning yeah, or in those days, the, the six-month white belt. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, they start training something a little more real. They'd start training something that, you know, I believe it was Matt Thornton from Straight Blast that coined the term alive yeah. when it comes to your martial arts training, i.e. somebody who's actually fully trying to stop you from doing what it is you're trying to do to them and fights back, which was really rare at the time, as crazy as that sounds. And you got a lot of people that, came away with a new respect for what that meant. But then there were a lot of people who just basically stopped coming around altogether or wouldn't come around because they knew it was going to happen in that circumstance. So I'm, I'm guessing you had a lot of anonymous people. Was it mostly people with nicknames and, you know, that would, they would talk big and you would finally have to put up or shut up with this. And a lot of people would just disappear on yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of, uh, there were a lot. Well, everybody had a had a username. I mean, that I I have Frost, you know, and a bunch of interesting ones. But when you came in person, they're like, "Oh, hey, yeah, put a face to the name." Uh, and a lot of people right. just just didn't. But you know, they they had like twenty thousand posts on the forum. So, uh, and they'd never show up for throwdowns, but they were just sitting there trying to, to get their points in. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep, they would post and they would post, and people would suggest it, and they would always have schedule conflicts and always have some reason why they couldn't do it. Sounds like you got Twitter long before 
Twitter even existed because it, it's not a lot has changed, really. No, but I mean, I like to I mean, it's a sort of mark of pride for me that, you know, we, we have one of the few social media sites where you could actually get your ass kicked for the shit you said. So, yeah, I think Twitter would be yeah. so much better if that was an option. If there were some consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. You yeah. just actually had to show up and put up. That would change everything. I mean, it doesn't really apply to academic discussions or you know people like bickering about you know, culture war stuff but you know when it comes to whether or not you can fight yeah it's it's pretty natural pairing well and it's really relevant because all these people in the martial arts world are selling the idea that they can teach you to defend yourself they're in some cases selling the idea that they will make you like this fighting god they should be able to show up and actually do some of that in front of real people yeah. and to a man None of them could, for the most part. They would find out real quick that whatever your sensei told you was bullshit. Whatever his sensei may have told him was bullshit. And if you really wanted to be that person that you've been representing yourself as, you need to go find a jujitsu school, a judo school, a boxing gym, you know, a Kyokushin karate dojo, someplace where they actually hit each other and start training that because there's really only one way to get there. And that's blood, sweat and tears. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's no way around that. So you guys ended up kind of, it seemed almost like at one point that changed, you know, when, when mixed martial arts blew up after probably Griffin and Bonner, that fight. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a lot of people started training jujitsu. A lot of people started doing more MMA based stuff. What yeah. year was that? Cause for me, oh, right, right, like, right. I've seen a, a Bruce Lee movie. I mean, I, and you, you, you guys can make as much fun of me as you want. I, I don't, uh, I don't have the context here. So at least give me a year. So the Griffin Bonner fight, Stefan Bonner, rest in peace, Forrest Griffin fight from 2005, which was the finals of the very first season of the UFC's reality show program that they called the ultimate fighter. What they did was they took a team of guys and they put them in qualifiers and they had them train and they got to the end and they had the two guys who were sort of left standing after all the challenges have an actual MMA fight. And it was pretty epic. These two guys put on one of the all time classics and people all of a sudden caught on that. Hey, this stuff is really fun. This is incredible to watch. They drew huge ratings with it afterwards. It basically saved the company And it drew a lot of people into training more alive martial arts. So at that point, it sort of seems like the tide turned. People weren't signing up for the white poodle kung fu quite as much anymore. It was a little harder to sell that stuff. And it really seemed like people sort of internalized what was going on with that. And the paradigm sort of shifted. And you guys sort of branched out from there. Yeah, it seemed we um, I mean, it, it took a while for that to diffuse into the public sort of consciousness for, for more people to get in. There were a lot of whole, you know, clingers on that were still like, no, 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 no. This this is just this is just a sport. And it's not the street because there's no broken glass and lava. You know, you're going to uh, yes. sidewalk and, you know, whatever. And all those excuses that we ran into ad nauseum back in the day. So it, it took a took another like five years before it started to really sink in for people. And then giant pay-per-views and events and people going them selling like tap out crap at walmart and just you know all the uh, it it became a a thing in the culture so yeah at that point we're just like okay they 
the number of people that genuinely believe this this stuff that the ridiculous stuff is on the decline and so the only people that are hanging on to those things and still trying to sell that still trying to make a life are just the ones that are really desperate and sad to be honest they're just they're just really sad older men trying to squeeze out some prestige or, or you know some status right. from this ridiculous nonsense from even the more ridiculous people that would believe it and so we, we're like uh, this it kind of feels like beating up on you know you know kids that are a little bit well okay i'm not gonna go there but it just it feels like it was unfair yeah. and and so uh, yeah. we we're like okay well We've Real got, life adult men who are convinced they are ninjas, yeah, well, man and they've spent a long time being ninjas. <laughs> Grown man children, and they'll tell you about being ninjas at every opportunity with a, with a lot of emotional issues, and you know the, the term goes low status males, and so <laughs> I mean a lot of them incels that that kind of thing. But we um mm-hmm. realize okay, fewer people are taking this stuff seriously. We have this giant platform. There are so many things that overlap with the area of interest that we've been covering. So let's let's expand. Let's start talking about health and fitness and all the ways that people are taking advantage of in that sphere, in that industry, the market. And um, and so it kind of this was right around the same time. And I, I know you're probably going to bring this up later, but uh, Joe Rogan's whole thing was kicking off and he right. was going in the opposite direction that we were going because he was taking this platform full <laughs> of, you know, dudes that are interested in dude stuff, you know, fighting, athlete, athletics, you know, sports, you know, fitness, etc. And he was selling them supplements and talking about, uh, you know, some of the kookier conspiracy theories and having people on his podcast that don't believe in the germ theory of disease. Yes, yes. And he definitely built himself quite the little audience based on that. I I think it's interesting that his first sort of people that I think got into his podcast. A lot of them were martial artists, jujitsu people. They were, Hey, he's one of us. He's definitely one of us. And some of these people got led down a path as a result of this. It's, it's kind of like the old Griff died and it got replaced by something bigger and much, much worse. Yeah. 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 Cause looking at it, what Bullshito did and accomplished is, really important and it almost sort of looks now in a way like it was training to be able to take on what's out there now because it's way worse and it's way more pervasive uh, we deal with this all the time our main focus to some extent is news and media criticism and there's a lot wow there is just a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it was about 10 years ago we really started to deliberately make the shift towards doing what, I, what i've been describing as teaching self-defense against bullshit so there's so many ways in which you can be like taken advantage of nowadays because there's just so much information out there and there's so much misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things you need to know as a competent adult to avoid being, you know, I'm like, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, we had to worry about our parents, grandparents uh, being taken in by phone scams and stuff and, and those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. But there's so many of those things out there now that you and you just cannot keep up with all the ways from television bombarding you with misinformation to, you know, you getting on the on the Internet or, or whatever, Facebook, et cetera, and seeing this just hot garbage just makes no sense at all. But it appeals to what you want to believe or it makes you it validates your worldview. So you're susceptible mm-hmm. to it. And people have no no armor against that. They have no no self-defense 
against being manipulated into acting against their own best interests. And so, right, right. We don't talk about this in school. We need to start, but we don't. Yes. This is definitely a conversation that should start very young for kids coming up and explain that there are really bad people out there who want to convince you to do really bad things or to buy their products because this is how they make a living. There is nothing valid about what they're doing, but they do it. And you have to be aware of that and ready to, you know, deal with it. However you feel like you're going to deal with it. Um, one question I got to ask, because, you know, again, I'm a huge fan of the site out of all the times that somebody got busted, who would you say took it the worst? Oh, I mean, we could take it all the way back to like 2003 when, um, and, and this is, this is a deep cut for people that are in the, not in the yeah. martial arts community, but in the eighties, there was this highly popular ninja master that sold books on all these things called like Ninja Secrets of Invisibility and even some weirder stuff. And um, uh-huh. by the name of Ashita Kim. And so I, I love right. this story because it, it just, it, it's so bananas. I can't tell this story to, to normies because they'll look at me like, are you, are you on drugs? Anyway, so, <laughs> so he had for, for the longest time in the earlier days of the internet, this $10,000 challenge where if you put up $10,000, he would fight you and display his you know, amazing ninja abilities. But I mean, who's got $10,000 sitting around? Well, one of our members did. And he piled it on his desk and be like, <laughs> let's do this. And so cue the excuses and the hedging and the hymns and the halls, blah, 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 blah. And so it escalated. And I, I'm going to cut to the chase here. It escalated all the way to the point where the guys, because he was semi-notable, the guy's Wikipedia article became the point of contention. And um, short version of it. The founder of Wikipedia, Jim Wales himself, deleted the dude's article because the guy had lost his shit, tracked down his red Hyundai, and was posting his license plate or something on on the internet. And he was like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck you. You know, I'm going back to the Wikimedia Foundation. I'm like, and then the guy, Ashita Kim, whose real name was Radford Davis, he lived in a trailer because we had a PI track him down and, you know, root through his trash to confirm (laughs) Threatened to, to go up to him and because we, Bullshito, and Jim Wales and the Wikimedia Foundation were all together in a rival ninja clan. <laughs> oh. and that's just not something you could tell people. But it's something you want to tell people because holy shit, you know? Oh, it man. is wild because, you know, there were so many people who, when they got called out, would come in and threaten and bluster and part of the reason Bullshito got away with it as much as I think they did was because there were lawyers oh, yeah. involved. Oh, we have some. And they would crazy. come in and say, oh, yeah, you want to do that? We'll provide this, 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 and this. And that shut a lot of people up. Strangely, a lot of attorneys do martial arts, too. So um, oh, yeah. we had a huge group of, like, a cadre of people like, yeah, I'll, I'll volunteer my time. Oh, whatever. You know, let's, let's fuck those guys. So legally. And, um, so Sam Browning was was our rock. Uh, he he's still around out there. I think he does like real estate law in Connecticut. I mean, just that that dude. Don't, don't get him. Don't sick him on somebody, or they'll they're done. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> we we had tons of people that go that would go after those things from that perspective. In fact, Sam contributed to getting somebody put in federal prison for misrepresenting himself as an Interpol agent and giving expert testimony in court. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Wow. And that's what that world was like at the time, because no one was checking and no one was calling these people on any of it. Yeah, nobody thought there would be consequences on the internet. It's nope. why, you know, lie. Who cares? What's going to happen? What are you going to do about it? I'm just some guy in the middle of nowhere. You're not going right. to find me. I'm, no one's yeah. ever going to know if I tell everybody I was a SEAL. They're never yeah. going to have any idea. But then all of a sudden, this forum full of lawyers and smart-ass martial artists shows up and says, no, you're going to have to actually do something about that. And God, that was fun. Watching those people just all of a sudden get the facts of reality for the very first time in their lives, I think, in some cases. Just, wow. Yeah, we were the find out to their fuck around. Uh-huh, absolutely. Before that phrase was ubiquitous, it was definitely something that would have described Bullshito very, very well. One thing that's kind of interesting in you know the last few years is that it seems like this work has kind of gotten political, whether you like that or not. There definitely is a political component to all of this that wasn't always there, but it certainly is now. Did did you ever see that coming? Um, I didn't see it coming. I saw it as a problem um, because, like, take uh, the anti-vax movement for for example, which we you know we we brushed up against every now and then. And uh, when we first started, like the first decade of our organization, when we talk about it, it was mainly a factor of the left. The the left, right. you know, the the people that have like mm-hmm. spirit catchers and dream catchers in their the hippies, or the, yeah, the crystal monger whatever the, those people yeah and so they were the ones that were going to vaccinate their indigo children and then at some point that just completely shifted and it's it, it was wild and so right around the same time i mean we're just kind of force gumping our way into this stuff right, right around the same time we, we were expanding our our horizons uh the 2015 run up to the 2016 election happened and we were doing everything we could to navigate to thread that needle to just not be overtly political on stuff, but it's, and even to this day, it's extremely difficult because it seems like one side of that, that divide has absolutely embraced misinformation and like bullshit as, uh, as tactics in their quest for political power. And it's, it's hard. It's hard not to say, yeah, basically everything you say is bullshit because it's, you know, that's what you do. That's how you're getting people to believe and vote for you. So I, I'm and I'm still it's still a challenge to try and to thread that. I know you you posted recently on Twitter saying that you I don't know if you said you are a libertarian or at least it, it used to identify as one. And I, I wasn't sure because I, I read your tweets and I go through them and I think, well, this guy kind of sounds like a liberal. But I, I also kind of knew you weren't a liberal. But then I'm I'm thinking about it. and It's like, well, he's really just telling the truth and. There's only kind of one side that generally has these accepted facts when it comes to vaccines and some of these some of these popular political topics. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what if you have a label or if you just try to avoid it. I, I don't really line up neatly anywhere because I I mean, I for the longest time, I did describe myself as a libertarian. And in a perfect world, I would still be a libertarian. But we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world where houses burn down and you need the fire department. And, you know, if there were private roads, there'd be a toll booth every 50 feet. Libertarianism is a is a great ideal to strive towards where everyone in society is responsible for their own, you know, interest and thing. And nobody's trying to take advantage of that to, to squeeze out a little more. But it just doesn't doesn't line up with, you know, the way that we are wired to behave. So it, it's incompatible with human nature. And unfortunately, we have uh, Rand Paul and, and Ron Paul, and that's what most people think of as libertarian now. So that probably 
poison the well a little bit. And that's not at all what I think about with you. You're talking about an actual libertarian, not not an internet cosplaying libertarian. Glenn Beck, you know, who uses that label just so you're like, oh yeah, you're just not another Republican shill. Yeah. Or uh, who's who's the who's the dork with the beanie? Oh, Tim Pool. Yeah. That (laughs) (laughs) not a right winger, Tim Pool. Yeah, no. Not a Trump supporter. Not totally a liberal. Look at me liberaling liberally and you know, my mother motherfucker, shut up. Everything you say is Straight right wing, you know, alt right crap. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they say classical liberal at this point, and I I think at some point they that essentially means monarchist. <laughs> oh or, yeah, that's a troll. That's a full yeah. on troll, and they know it. Yeah, they don't even get that. Thomas <laughs> Jefferson was a classical liberal, and Thomas Jefferson would have those guys horse whipped. Yes, absolutely. I don't really line up anywhere because it's always changing. Everything's changing. The discourse is changing. The evidence, the the society's changing. You have to kind of stay fluid, and the minute you allow somebody to fix a label on you. They use that label to dismiss what you're saying. And, you know, if you right. meet the guy in the yep. room that says, no, I don't, I don't completely, I'm not on board with all this stuff because, you know, I don't need to belong to your group. I just need to belong to the, to the correct side of history. And, and a lot of people aren't like that. They, they need to belong. They need to feel like there's other people around them that validate their views. And so they'll tweak their views to be validated. And I'm like, eh, you just got to start on the inside. You just got to. It's a it's a matter of priority, and I, I talk a lot about virtue, like it, the the old school virtue, you know, the Nicomachean ethics and that that sort of thing. What where it comes from inside has to be a priority for you to be aligned with. I don't even use the word truth anymore because that that word's been poisoned. Yep. The facts, mm-hmm. the, yeah. to wanting to know your decisions are based on your best effort to understand objective reality. And I have I have so much respect for that and and for what you're doing with your site, but I also I think about it and I and I feel for you and it's like it's the same struggle that we go through because if you would just pick a side if you would just say I'm over here I'm on this team I, you'd probably be making millions now you you'd have a you'd have a private island oh, somewhere God. you'd you'd be you'd have a warehouse in Romania at least <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right that's right be- because a lot of times it is that easy it is just pick a side you defend the people on your side you say that this is the truth and the only truth and and then eventually you blow up. Yeah, no, I, I, I realize that every day when, you know, I'm like, hey, uh, can we get maybe a Patreon you know, subscriber? <laughs> I know. And meanwhile, I go to my yeah. real boy, you know, big boy job and, and come and do this in my spare time and, you know, trying to re- hurt all the damn cats to, to help out on the stuff that, you know, our, our audience and be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm you guys, I need, need some help here. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Because we all have real jobs. You know, we finally got the, uh, the nonprofit organization set up for this effort so that at least people's contributions can be tax deductible um, but i am personally terrible about fundraising so i'm like i don't want to deal with money fuck money money i just want to do the right thing <laughs> i know we, we've had such a hard time being like okay we have to ask people to subscribe and to help us <sighs> and to be a part of it and it's oh, i don't want to do it but you you have to do it but it's yeah it's it's a it's a struggle and it doesn't pay to try to find a center and sometimes i feel like i almost feel a little guilty when my my tweets or posts go viral because i think oh did this go viral for the right reasons or the wrong ones oh yeah <laughs> you know but if you're always living in that sort of mindset it means well you're you're not always blowing up you're not getting all the donations everyone isn't flocking to you and and sometimes you give people the the real actual truth it's not the narrative they want to hear no. and and then they're turned off by you 
easiest way to turn off somebody is to make them just slightly uncomfortable. Absolutely. And so many of the people that are making a huge living doing this, they know who their audience is now and they aren't going to make that audience uncomfortable. They're going to play to that audience and play it very, very, very safe. They're not going to take on topics that might piss these people off or make them think a little harder. Nope. Just keep it going. If anything, they just won't talk about it. They're not going to try to challenge it or question it. It's just you do a search on that one on China, on Russia, on vaccines, whatever the thing is. They just don't mention it because they know they can't. Yeah, no, there was a I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. I kind of hope you're not. But, you know, James Lindsay a couple years ago. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we know. Okay, perfect. We know him. Jimmy Concepts. Yeah, I have a standing challenge to fight that guy. I would pay to see that. Him and his kung fu. I've been trying to get him to fight me, but he blocked me off Twitter. And even though he's back now, I'm still blocked. <laughs> I don't know if that resets or what. Did he? But, um, oh, you know, he, he, was, he, was a, he describes himself as a martial artist, and he even has. I, he does. He does. We dug up an bl- old blog post of his on, it was like becomingthelion.blogspot.com or something like that, right? And he's got this, <laughs> this long rant about how you shouldn't have to spar to be good at martial arts. And, you know, and unlike those amateurs over at Bullshito, who, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. So, I mean, we have history. Shots fired. And this is before, this was before he was trying to be taken seriously as one of the new atheists, you know, glomming onto that movement. And then when that didn't work, he did the, that whole trying to be the next SoCal and do that hoax. And then that didn't, you know, I mean, he got a little bit of prominence with that. But then he, um, from there, he got retweeted by Trump and just went full on alt-right, yep. you know, shitlord. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect case study in audience capture. It's somebody that does not have their own sort of moral compass. That there, there's no virtue. There's no, no personal integrity of, of who you are. It just you just want status. You just want to be identified as some. I want to be somebody, you know. And so that's how those people become that because you know whatever you don't have any internal consistency. So I'll just say whatever, you know. You've got a lot of failed actors out there that end up being influencers or or these big media figures that. They just treat it like a like a role. It's it's something they get paid to do. And maybe they don't get a salary off of it, but they they know that, hey, if you say this enough times with this group of people, you're going to make money. And so they just find that thing and eventually it, it sticks. We've seen that with somebody we've talked about before with Candace Owens. Right. Tried to be kind of a lefty and had a couple. She had a, a blog ish news site that she tried to do. And then she had some sort of doxing site that she said was going to be doxing for good, that she's going to reveal these people who are hiding in anonymity online. And then that didn't work out. And then she kind of disappeared for a while and she showed up on InfoWars. And then she's this big right-wing MAGA person who got red-pilled and is over there talking to Cernovich and uh, Paul Joseph joseph watson and jack Posobic and oh thank you for red pilling me i now see the light gamergate was was an <laughs> epiphany and i it, thank you thank you so much and then she starts with astroturf blexit which is black people leaving the democratic party and it's it's all very transparent but i don't know last time i looked she's got what three million yeah close to three million followers she's huge platform now yeah she's more important to have a seat at the table even if the table is in the freaking landfill <laughs> yeah and it pays better than game of thrones blogging you know you could do that or you could just repeat any level of 
fake news, makeup stories, and, you know, hey, they got a basement in this pizza parlor, I promise, go shoot it up. Free the kids. Senator James Lindsay go on Rogan and then get retweeted by Trump, or was, was the retweet first and then Rogan? Do you remember? If I remember correctly, Lindsay had been on there to discuss their their whole uh, grievance study, so-called grievance studies uh, study with uh, Peter Bogosian and uh, Helen Pluckrose. And, right. and at the time I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'll pay attention to it. But they're definitely cherry picking this crap. So it's it's not the exact, you know, it's not the best thing. It's not accurate right. quality. And he, he sent in the, that was when he sent in the, the scientific papers. Yeah, is he that sent right? a bunch of and scientific papers. To... I mean, they just shotgun blasted them out and saw where they landed. You know, the dog park uh, paper about queer performativity in dog parks or something like that. Yeah, ha ha, okay, whatever. I mean... Just see what they could get published yeah. and, and kind of make the left look foolish and silly. And it was the initial stuff into wokeism. And then he went, like, full-on grifter, anti-woke. Oh, yeah. my, my encounter with him, I because I don't know how it popped up into my feed, but uh, Elliot Page had posted a picture, you know, swimsuit going, you know, summer, summertime, something or other, right? And, and somebody... Somebody had replied to Elliot saying, oh, you look badass. And then, I don't know, that upset Jimmy. That, that triggered him. He's like, badass? You know, I could kill you with a single punch at like 10% of my power. That was, that was what I replied to. <laughs> and then me, who fucking hates bullies. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. No, so not, not in my vicinity. So I went after him. I was like, hey, buddy, uh, you're, you're a tough guy, right? Let, let, I'll, I'll spar with you. You can, you can even use 100% of your power. And so caught his attention with that, and his he's, he sent all his, his stupid little trollings after me, which, you know, I've been doing this shit for a lot longer. That's not going to work on me. I mean, I invented that shit. So, you're, <laughs> so it was hilarious, and he eventually blocked me. And, and so ever since, I've been trying to get that guy to, to fight me for real. It's like, fight me IRL, buddy. I'm serious. Jimmy Concepts, if you're listening, fight Frost, you coward. <laughs> Seriously. That is kind of their first go-to is they've they've got this big following on Twitter and then they're going to intimidate you and scare you. And for most people, that works and they can get people to to either uh, lock up their account or delete it, disappear. Most people just don't want to deal with that. But then when you when you don't turtle up and and you actually just kind of sit there and take it, sometimes they just don't know what to do. They just kind of they just kind of look around like, wait, he's not done. He's not scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they, because they have all these trolls and these people that will, some of them are real, some of them may be bots, but you get kind of troll swarmed. And most people, I think for the first time when that hits them, kind of freak out a little bit because mm-hmm. it's scary and you don't, you don't know what's going to happen or what these people are going to do or look for or find. But then I think we're all kind of veterans of it to an extent and we just kind of don't care. And and at a certain point, they just look around like, wait, do I... Do I do I block them? Do I ignore them? Do I keep arguing with them? What am I supposed to do? Like, and you you often I I sometimes wonder if they've got like a DM group going and they talk amongst themselves like, hey, what what's what's the plan? What what do we do? Yeah, now? they probably have a Discord channel or something out there. Yeah, and I'm sure they've got an ignore list too. Just a do not engage. You're on the list, and now you're on the list, man. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> great, but I mean, some just it's the weirdos like us that are like. This is fun. This is this is a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Um, 
Like, come on. Mm-hmm. What, what are you going to say that's, that's going to hurt my feelings, dude? You know, I the, I can set my phone down and walk away, you know? Exactly. Like, I'm going to go train now. You guys can have this conversation and I'll read your hundred freaking messages when I come back. I'm going to go roll for an hour because that sounds like a way more productive use of my time than reading anything you've got to say. Yeah, we've, we've heard every insult you've got. So, yeah, <laughs> fire away. <laughs> yeah, and I've actually apologized for him being a thing because... It's clear that when he started doing his shit posting routine, I saw so many of that, those little things that he would do reflected in a lot of the ways that we used to post on Bullshito. A lot of the, you know, just snarky, I don't take this seriously, so I'm going to reply with this, just the most ridiculous. I mean, come on, dude. Yep. It's like, that that was cool in like 97, so. Well, and sometimes you just think he blew up partly because he just kept posting. So many of these guys... I don't even know that they had a shtick or a plan. They just, every day, they just get up and they just post and post and post and post and they just don't stop. And eventually people see it and think, oh yeah, that, that guy's saying what I want to hear or that that's someone I want to amplify. And sometimes it really is that simple. You think, well, how did this, this person become a thing? And it's like, they just didn't log yeah. off. Yeah. They just kept going. Art is simply committing to the bit in some cases and just being really committed to the bit. And that's what these guys do. And then on a, on a more insidious level, the algorithm rewards engagement. And so if you're out there, you're saying this, you know, reprehensible shit and people that are rightly, you know, attacking you for that, the algorithm doesn't see, you know, the morality of it. It sees the engagement. And so they're like, Oh, this is a person that gets a lot of engagement. So let's keep them, you know, they're, they're out there sharecropping for us with their content. And we're, we're raking in the tens of dollars and whatever, uh, Twitter blue subscriptions now, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was like with, with Trump, so many of the people that were amplifying him the most were fact checking him. They were pointing out how wrong he was and how incorrect and what the, the real truth was. But at the end of the day, it just made his post get bigger and blow up more and that's why when people say he wouldn't have been president without Twitter, it's like, well, yeah, because of the algorithm, because people thought they were helping and they were doing the opposite. Yeah. And the big news channels were like, oh, my God, this guy is great for ratings. I mean, what what horrible mm-hmm. thing did he, did he made fun of a handicapped guy today? Awesome. man. is he talking about, you know, like walking in on teenagers, you know, getting, getting naked in the dressing room? Oh, man, we're going to sell so many boxes of soap. And you realize just how intertwined with the pro wrestling business Trump has always been. You understand that, man, there's a a reason why he's doing all of this stuff. He learned it from the best in that business, and he's working you guys, all of you. I I wish I could think it was just a heel sort of thing, and we could all maintain, what's the term, kayfabe, or I don't don't know how you pronounce that. Yes, kayfabe, yes. And then just go home and not have to vote for this guy. I was like, man, if you want to be an influencer and play Twitter, fine. But, you know, just stay out of government. Yeah. The best thing about Biden for me is that I can go days and sometimes weeks without thinking about him. Without That's so true. <laughs> having to worry about him. Just he's doing his job somewhere. And if he's not, somebody else is doing it for him. And that's fine. That's fine. There's no no tweets at 2 a.m. that are going to set the world on fire. Okay. Great. What a concept. So let's talk a little bit about a guy who's been in the news recently um talking about virtue talking about the idea of like why are you doing certain things that you're doing um andrew tate (laughs) for those of you guys who don't know um andrew tate is an mra men's rights activist kind of a hardcore misogynist grifter who had a kickboxing career to some extent and now he's 
parlayed that into the idea of being the ultimate alpha male. He's been on Big Brother in the UK, steadily increased his exposure online in the last few years. He sells young men, even like preteen kids, on the idea of breaking out of the matrix and taking control of their lives for only twenty nine ninety five a month that you can pay him. And they recently, he and his brother got arrested for rape and human trafficking in Romania, but there's a lot of people that don't seem to care at all about this. They're still supporting him, still making excuses for him. Is this, is this a story you've been following and kind of paying attention oh, to? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Tate popped up on our radar a couple years ago. We haven't done anything specific about him, but more broadly, just he is a product of a weird and uncomfortable relationship dudes have with talking about their own masculinity and their need to express it and to be validated for it. And so we've kind of just not wanted to, I've been, been a little bit careful about not amplifying the guy by, you know, mentioning his name so much as just trying to get at the root causes of the issue. And it, it's not an easy one to talk about because like every, every dude wants to be taken seriously as a, as a dude, but uh, only the average guy just out there going around being a guy especially the young guys have to sort out a lot of shit just to find a place for themselves in the world that we live in today. And so it's, it's a mess. And then you have that guy out there. Just, he's just another freaking carnival barker out there, you know, selling snake oil of some form and just happens to be emotional. And there's people that'll, that'll buy into it. It's like, man, honestly, I, I chuck a lot of it up to there's a lack of fatherhood. There's, there's a crisis yeah. of a lack of good real male role models like tv dad when anytime you talk about oh hey who's a good male role model half the people are going to bring up a, a tv or movie character because there really aren't that many good people to, to point at yeah and when you see what this kid these kids growing up with a lack of you know positive male influence in their life maybe you know they don't even have male teachers in a lot of cases they go right. to the age of puberty without necessarily seeing a guy as an authority figure dad cut out early you have mostly women in their life. And when you hit that wall of puberty and you're trying to figure out what does this actually do? What do I actually do here? And you're on YouTube far too much as kids are these days. Get There's off, another algorithm. Get off my lawn. And you run into your guys like Andrew Tate because the algorithm rewards that. And these are your fathers to some extent. These are your influences. And that to me is just the really awful part of all of this is that kids as young as 12 and, you know, guys like Andrew Anglin from the Daily Stormer have been explicit saying we write our website for 11-year-olds and we want to make sure that we can program these kids as early as possible before they're really old enough to ask the hard questions. And that that's a problem. Going forward, this is a, a huge one. Well, and I, I really sympathize with you trying to talk about this issue without talking about him because I was I was reading an article in, in BuzzFeed actually that kind of covered this and was looking at his subscriptions and people that people can go to his site and, and sign up for these programs. And they've kind of changed over the years, but they were just listing the numbers and they said his hustlers university 2.0 had 12,000 subscribers in March, but then he got kicked off of TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and he started getting deplatformed and they love it in a sense, when this happens, because you have that initial burst of, oh, you've been canceled. Oh, the the matrix, the deep state, the whatever you call it has come after me. Well, his his subscribers on his site went from 12,000 
to 77,000 to 129,000 by August. And at, at one point, let's see, by October of last year, he had 221,000 users in his Discord server. And he was charging $499, oh, I'm sorry, $49.99 a month to be there. And you can't say for sure if that's real, but you can you can glean a lot there because in August he did this Tucker interview and that that blew up and and there's this site called Similar Web which shows you statistics for websites and I was looking at it and his site traffic in in August there were 2.2 million people going to his site by October of last year it's at 5.8 million so it's how do you how do you beat it how do you stop it well I mean from the strategy that we're adopting and I I think a lot of people have concluded that it's a it's a good one is to just there's always going to be someone like him there's always going to be somebody that that looks for vulnerable people to exploit for their own benefit and to the detriment of those people that are being exploited of course and so you, you have to build up the the self-defense against that shit you gotta and you know you start early and our education system's probably not going to do it uh there's too many too many people trying to, to get their their two cents in and to muddy the waters and, you know, yell at school boards. And it, it's, that's all political now too, right? It's all political because mm-hmm. that's where the minds are. So you've got to go in there and, you know, keep the, the young minds from learning things like critical thinking. I mean, cause in a, in a healthy society, we would have, I mean, you start teaching this at a young age, so it's got to start at home and you get, you got to get people that are concerned about the issue and you got to start bringing it up as a dis- topic to discuss with your kids don't have kids then maybe make some people uncomfortable the family reunion and you you gotta put out you gotta flood the information space with as much positive resources and not corny positive because i i know there's a lot of people out there that are doing good work and i don't want to name anyone specifically because i don't want them to feel bad about it but if it comes off as too teachery uh, too institutional too right too like you know normie friendly shit kids, especially young dudes are not gonna like gravitate towards that they want the edgy shit they want the stuff that's not that's going to drop an f bomb. They want the stuff that's going to make them feel like, yeah, fuck, yeah, this is this is cool, and these people aren't aren't like stiffs, and you know, I'm I'm cool by being associated with them. So you have to go at it at a different angle, and a lot of people don't, and it's same reason that public health communications have such a hard time penetrating to the normal person out there on the street because it just sounds so condescending, smug, institutional, and sterilized. So on both of those things. There need to be more people in the discussion, in the discourse that are going at it from a level of I'm going to reach out to my audience and I'm going to talk to them like they need to hear it in a way that they're going to respect. And in order to do that, you got to say, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to try and impress anybody with how erudite my speeches and how flowery language and, you know, I'm going to write this beautiful abstract to my article. No, you're going to drop the the fucking word motherfucker in a piece here and there. And you're you're gonna use memes, and you're gonna you're gonna relate to them on stuff. You do a stupid ass TikTok dance. Who gives a shit? As long as it reduces the amount of idiots in the world. It's a challenge, really, getting kids, especially at that age, that are really looking for that edgy sort of. I don't want to be like my parents. I want to see whatever the new thing's going to be. To turn it in a direction that is not to some awful grifter. Especially now with, you know, YouTube being what it is, you have to constantly like sit on top of that and be like, okay, what are you watching? 
what are you watching? Who is this person? Who is this? What are they saying? Let's have a talk about this. This is not something you need to see at this age. Yeah. It's really challenging to it's hard to try and police that. And even as a parent, I mean, you've got, you know, two parents are working these days just to make ends meet. Everything's expensive as shit. So you're exhausted coming from the day, you know, from from work and you spend time with your kids and you got to mentor and develop them into being, you know, not just crap. And you got to be on top of that. And we're running ragged as a culture. And it, there's there's no there's yeah. no light at the end of the tunnel for, for a long time. So uh, the only thing we can do is get the people that have the luxury of the free time. They have the use the word privilege to spend their time doing this stuff. They have a little bit more money to spend on, you know, running a podcast or, or reaching out to people or. Or making their own video content out there to counteract all the other stuff because I mean it's still going to be outnumbered by that because the money is on the other end of the thing. But you know you can save a few, right? Well, in this this straight talk, this kind of centering people is is also just boring. And and guys like Andrew Tate make life seem so exciting, and he's not just selling you a subscription; it's a lifestyle, and it's taking control and you watch these these videos and it, you can absolutely see how it's intoxicating all of these guys do it and alex jones does it where they think the red pill is the secret formula you've you've cracked the code you understand life in ways that other people don't and especially when you're like 13 that's oh yeah the world doesn't mm-hmm. make sense the world is a mess like not why do people do the things that they do and it's it's not hard to see why this is popular and why it can blow up. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is always an uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that there's any easy solution to it. You just got to put in the effort because the people on the other side are always going to put in the effort and they mm-hmm. usually have more resources and they're, they're more motivated. And yeah. I, I, it's not like it's a battle that can be won and you have to look at it from that perspective is that you can just do better. You, you can, you can pull a few people out of it. You, you're not going to, you're not going to solve the, the problems of the world, but you're going to reduce the amount of bullshit and suffering that results from said bullshit uh, it, it, just by doing it a little bit. And the more people that get involved, the less of that there is. Well, you got to start early too, because once they're once they're in it, once they've bought it, it's a lot harder, a lot harder to yeah. pull them out. I have a I have a son. I have a toddler son. He, he just turned four not too long ago, and so I am already. Uh, I'm just I'm doing double duty. Everything that I do here, I, I also try to figure out a way to apply to him i mean he's not i mean he watches paw patrol once in a while okay it's like okay yeah you're, you're fine but i i, I have to actively <laughs> right there with you and make sure that he's not seeing me displaying any behaviors i don't want him to emulate when he gets old so it's it's hard well and, and sometimes the the parent manuals i'm sure you've read them i've i've read them and mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's all best case scenario it's all you you never lose your temper you never yeah, good luck. have have a bad day and like there's a there's a difference between hitting your kid which is wrong and never okay and never acceptable but there's a difference between that and raising your tone too much, yelling too loudly, losing your temper too quickly. But sometimes the the guides out there make it seem like, well, you can you can always just talk in a calm and rational manner. <laughs> and sometimes like you got to get out the door. They got to go to school. You got to go to work. You got things going on. You're human. You're going to make mistakes. And I don't know, for me, it's uh, I want my kids to listen to me, but also know that I make mistakes and I want to be like honest with them and even apologize to them, tell them, Hey, I screwed up and I'm going to try to do better because we're all always trying to do better. That's, that's my goal in life. That's right. 
pretending like we're perfect, like we've got it all figured out. That's that's just silly. Because nobody does, no matter what. You just and you don't want to raise the kind of kid that won't apologize when they make a mistake. You you have to model that behavior of like, we're all going to screw up sometimes. Yep. We're all going to make those mistakes. We're all going to raise our tone when we shouldn't. We're all going to get frustrated. We're all going to get mad at people sometimes. How do you handle that correctly? How do you handle that appropriately and when you can't? What do you do to make up for that? How do you make up for actions that you might have not done the thing that you wanted to do in that situation? I, I think even people that think, oh, my my son is already in Andrew Tate or whoever the next guy is going to be. And in that world, it's, it is a lot harder to pull somebody out who's already in this. But I also think the the number one thing, if you want to fix it and make it better is just show up. Right. I mean, really just be in the room, just be there for them. It's sometimes it's that easy, or at least that's, that's the starting point. And I know for some people who work two jobs, single parent, some of that, even that's impossible, but you got to try, you got to be there. And yeah, it, it, it's not like we're going to fix it and save everyone, but man, it'd be nice if we could we could yeah. save some. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Perfect is the enemy of the good, so don't fix it. Fixate on yeah. trying to do it all. Just do something. And this is where I think that, like, you know, kind of to bring it back a little bit, getting your kids involved in some kind of combat sport, for lack of a better word, can definitely teach them a whole lot about resilience, about how do you come back from a bad day? How do you come back from a physical ass kicking in some cases? What do you do? Yeah. You're not always going to have a great day. Sometimes the bear's just going to eat you. Yeah. And you learn humility from, from just, mm-hmm. you know, cause in jujitsu, whatever you can, you just get dominated. Sometimes there's always just that one guy mm-hmm. who, no matter how much you train, how strong you are, whatever, just better. And that's life. You're not ever going to be the top of Pretty much anything. There's always going to be somebody that's no. you got to learn how to deal with failure, and a lot of people don't. They see all these success stories, and they see the Instagram stories, and they see the, the social media crap, and they only see the highlights of those people's lives. They don't see the failures because right. you know anybody with half a brain doesn't share. You know, it's like yeah, oh, crap, I fell down the stairs today like a dumbass. Most people don't <laughs> do that. They don't. They don't show the lowlights. So you're comparing mm-hmm. yourself against their highlights, and kids grow up thinking like that. And they're like, "Well, what the hell is wrong with me?" So somebody like Andrew Tate swoops in. He's, you know, to a 14 year old boy, he's like, "Oh man, this dude is exactly what I want to be." When however the hell old he is, you know, I want 30 cars, and I want to yell at a teenage environmental activist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. And he's he's just some of that stuff is so cringe. He he just I have thirty three cars. Send me your email address so I can send you a list of their <laughs> emissions. You earned that small dick energy reply, yeah, pal. No, that was anybody who brags yeah. about the amount of cars they have. I mean, isn't that the rule? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, hasn't that always been the rule? <laughs> that was just such a great clapback. I, I can't man, I, I'm I'm grateful for Greta. I, I she puts up with a lot of shit just because she's female and young and she's on the opposite side of anybody that, that's okay with either of those two things. Yeah. yeah, well the very online right a couple of years ago was really going after her and comparing her to Hitler. And it was a <laughs> the thing that they were doing for a few weeks there because she yeah, had the had the gall to, to speak up. So they've been they've been mad at her for a while, but yeah, she just she's just hanging out and uh, that that was really an epic comeback. Pretty much was. And it was very appropriate because, I mean, we all know what we think when we hear guys bragging about their cars. 
We all know what we yeah. think. We all know what that means. Come on. She just said it out loud. And I think that is a valid <laughs> yeah. approach to dealing with stuff like that. I mean, shame. Uh-huh. Shame motivates people. Shame changes behavior. Mm-hmm. There, you'll find a couple academics like, no, no, shame never changes. Dude, no, no, no. There's a reason we are a little bit uncomfortable if we realize our fly's down in, in public or you got something hanging mm-hmm. your nose. Yeah. Shame changes behavior. There's, that's the reason why five-year-old kid is embarrassed because he wets his pants at school because shame changes your behavior. And so we need to, I mean, in as much of a compassionate way as possible, make sure that there are hard limits on what our is acceptable behavior in our in our culture and misogyny and just like treating women like that, uh, like Andrew Tate and that, that kind of shit needs to be on the other side of those limits. And when they cross those lines, there is shame applied to those people to such a degree that they can't get prestige and status off of demonstrating that behavior. They actually, it harms them. It harms their credibility. People are like, oh, I don't want to associate with you. You're trash, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's the problem we run into and, and see, and I even saw that some of this with Greta is people said, well, she, even by replying to him, even by saying this, she's amplifying him. She's, she's growing his brand. This is exactly what he wanted. He even retweeted someone that said that. And I don't believe that. But I think people think they're often shaming these guys when they're really not shaming them. And they're really saying things like, Calling him a misogynist does not hurt him, does not hurt his feelings, does not cause a problem. Some people may think that that's shaming him, but he's fine with that. The, with Greta's reply, sometimes there's it's just so good. It's, mm-hmm. it's so devastating that it does cut through that image that he's worked so hard to cultivate. And, and that is one of those where, yeah, you, you nailed it. And that does work. But it's, it is like this constant kind of balancing act of how do you, how do you know or how can you tell? And am I... If if this really blows up, I'm helping. But if yeah. it doesn't, then I'm hurting. And and that's that's literacy. That's something that maybe we can teach one day. But it's also kind of like a feeling. Are you are you good on the internet? Do you do you understand how this works or not? And I, I think we're all kind of trying to navigate that and and how that um, see how that plays out. But I, I guess I did want to ask you too, kind of in that vein, how do you reach young men or just men in general? Who Andrew Tate is appealing because. He's macho, he's alpha male, he's all this. And and it's not real. But some of this, some of the woke stuff that he criticizes is performative and does go too far and isn't helpful and is really just kind of fodder for him to say, aha, see, I told you all these things are correct. How do you how do you find the middle ground there? Because I know I know you try to. Do you do you feel like you've gotten closer to that? I, I think it really does go back to virtue. To having a genuine sense of virtue and the, the one in this case that would address a lot of those concerns is authenticity if you're living authentically if you you're living values that, that matter and you're being true to what you're trying to do performativity is cringe it's it's embarrassing because then you're trans mm-hmm. the people that can recognize performativity versus authenticity you're just like oh man and you know a, a good example of that is um i don't at the the risk of, you know, angering people even more is Lex Friedman, who he's performatively intelligent <laughs> and his credentials notwithstanding, his participation in the public space is just absolute cringe to anyone that realizes what what he's really doing and how it's it's just self-aggrandizing behavior. And he's just trying to get people to take him more seriously as intelligent. And if you can identify the difference between performativity and authenticity then you're just, you're like, what, dude, it's bad. And you feel bad for the guy, honestly. 
but most people can't because they've never been they've never paid attention enough to do that for whatever reason or they're just they don't have haven't developed the uh the set of skills to identify to distinguish between the two so if you can if you can teach people to understand when a behavior is performative or authentic then that'll eliminate a lot of the horseshit that we have to deal with on social media. Yeah, very much, very much. Part of the problem there is you, to be able to identify it, you have to kind of be immersed in it. You have to watch it or, or listen to it a lot. And then unfortunately, <laughs> even if you're, you're hate listening or you're just, oh, I'm just curious, that's how they get people in. That's how they convince some of them. So it is, it's all kind of fraught with peril, but I, I, I agree. You have to, you have to recognize it. It's sometimes people just think they do. Oftentimes people think they do. They've cracked the code and, and they haven't. And, and so the, the struggle goes on and it's why we keep talking every week, I guess. Yeah. It, it helps to keep in mind that we are still on the, the very young end of the spectrum when it comes to how the human race is interacting with each other. Now we live in the future where we can have these conversations across God knows how many miles and discuss all these things real time, 24 hours a day with all these different ideas floating around, all this misinformation, information, good ideas, bad ideas. And we're still figuring out a tool set to, to navigate that without, you know, being somebody's useful, you know, idiot or, you know, being a, a victim or making ourselves a victim. So cooperation like this and, and coming together and discussing stuff like this is going to be a huge, huge boon to, to navigating this going forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. Definitely. So where do you see the future going in terms of, like you said, putting together the tool set that we would need to navigate this particular new reality? How do we do better, do you think? What are some concrete things that you think we could really work on? So we, we, have to, we can take it back to the classics. We can look at, like, like I said, um, a mix. You can pick and choose a lot of the approaches to dealing with a complicated world. I'm a big fan of stoicism in the classical sense, not in the, well, I just refuse to have emotions, which is not how that's supposed to work. It's just about keeping them in the proper context and not letting them determine your behavior or choices more than they should, because we are all emotional people. I look at a lot of the way people think in sort of a computational model. And if you look at it from that perspective, we have our emotions that work as like the, the base layer. Any nerd that knows computers is up. There's DOS. And then on top of DOS, it's mm-hmm. Windows. And Windows is where a lot more higher executive functions where you're thinking about stuff uh, happen. But a lot of the stuff happens behind the scenes before you even are conscious of it. And those are our emotions. And so if you, if you kind of get in touch with why you feel the way you feel, how you think the way you think, if you understand that, and you can figure out a way to explain that to people in like a model like I just did, then it's easier to kind of control those things in the, the heat of the moment or the situations. Like, yeah, I'm angry, but wait, why am I angry? I, I, I can't even, I don't know. I mean, am I going to punch this guy? Why do I want to punch this guy? Is, is he really a threat? No, he just kind of threatened my pride. Well, why am I worried about my pride? Oh, because maybe if the tribe doesn't see me as, you know, somebody of, of worth, then they're going to exile me. Oh, shit. Wait, I don't live on the African savanna. What the fuck? I'm driving away. Yeah. It's like now we're getting somewhere. We've drilled down into why you're actually doing this thing, this, you know, herd behavior that you're doing. And it's, you know, endemic. I think a lot of the time in martial arts, too, you see people that think that you somehow need a self-defense technique for somebody who's over there talking shit. No, you don't. Your self-defense technique is to walk away. Yeah. It's real easy. That is not a threat. Yeah. It's a threat to your pride. It's a threat to your ego. Sure. Absolutely it is. But you're not in any real danger here. Just 
Get in your car, buddy. Yeah, you're not you're not getting exiled from the city you live in. You're not going to be never able to sire children or replicate your your freaking genes into the next generation, or you know all these things that are we are hardwired to 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 worry about on a level that exists below our actual conscious thought processes. We're we're still animals, man, and a lot of people don't understand that. And if you can understand that, it's like I have all these impulses. The more you act on those without thinking, the worse your life is going to be. And there's a lot of people out there that want you to act on those. Act on your fear. Act on, oh, they're, they're coming for my job. Who? Who's coming for my job? What? My job? And that's how they get you to vote against your own interests. They're like, it's just there's so many little hooks that you have, so many glitches in your in your programming that, that can be exploited. you got to be aware of them. So in order to do that, to make people aware of it, you sometimes have to adopt the language of that jackass andrew tate and, and say things oh well the matrix you know they've got you and you, you've got to kind of frame it in terms that they understand using pop culture references you got to you know use the tools of your enemy against them it, it's because the real world is complicated it's infinitely complicated the, the situation human psychology is infinitely complicated and to explain anything complicated to somebody you have to simplify it to a point where it's almost inaccurate and to get the point across to somebody that hasn't spent you know, that didn't even go get an associate's in psychology or something like that, or at least read a couple bits of the literature. You can't just let that go by and say, oh, yeah, well, you can't, well, I guess you can't understand the this abstract, then you're not going to, you're screwed, buddy. No, people that are conscientious need to make an effort to communicate things to those people to give them a little bit of resilience against that bullshit. Definitely. So last question, this kind of a wrap up. What do you have in the way of future plans, you know, personally for the site going forward? What do you see yourself doing in 2023 and on beyond? We are, uh, I mean, we've got the podcast, but that's mostly just us having conversations with interesting people. It's, it's not even a, a big project. We might get one episode out a month. So, um, what I see us doing a lot more in the coming um, coming year is like video content and trying to reach out to people because, oh God, TikTok, it's such, for example, or just those the stories, the vertical videos that are on every platform. Everybody's trying to be what Vine was like 10 years ago. Right. Those those are flooded yeah. with so, so much misinformation now that even the old school Bullshito that we thought we had gotten rid of like decades ago is popping back up. The guy's like, Oh, you can disarm anybody with a handgun using this tech. No, no, dude, you're going to end up with, you know, a split cranium and it just, it's resurging. And so we're like, oh, crap, we got to do this again. So we need to start throwing out that stuff out there so that it's least showing up in people's feeds here and there. Like, Oh wait, the video I just watched was absolute horseshit. Cause there's these people that were doing this before, you know, before any of it was cool. And so we're, we're going to be doing a lot more video content. We're converting a lot of our old essays on the topic of, self-defense against bullshit into uh like video essays so um one we just just finished last night was a uh it's a it's sort of a test case on from the article on arguing with idiots which is how to argue with idiots or why to argue with idiots and it's just a couple short points down into a 10 minute video but we're doing that so that you know if you're sitting there i don't know on the toilet or whatever and you're watching videos or whatever people do with their time um it, it's there and you you can see it you can see some of the points and you can catch a couple of the jokes that we sneak in there and the and the digs and i even think i might have included a, a couple screenshots of some of the stupid arguments i've had with people into that video so that you you see more i don't even want to use the term positive content because it's negative negative content it's like two negatives it's like your shit is negative but i'm gonna out negative you motherfucker and by math it's positive 
but <laughs> it's not going to be so positive that you know you could, it's like fairy sprinkles and shit. You're going to actually, you know. I think it's a good point that there aren't that many new ideas out there. They're just repackaged. And even if you you look at a guy like Andrew Tate, you say, well, actually, what he's doing here is a pyramid scheme. And oh yeah, he got to start on Infowars. And I think at least with our audience, if they don't know anything else about the guy, you, you say he's accused of rape and and sex trafficking, and he got to start on Infowars and with all these influencers, and he's running a pyramid scheme on his website. And oh, he really blew up after he went on Tucker. Yeah. It's like he's grooming young men. So I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. oh hey, that's that's a popular term. Yeah, let's let's point out the examples of what who's really grooming people out there. So. Oh, yeah, you don't like mm-hmm. grooming? Let, let yeah. me, here, here's some grooming for you. Yeah, they redefine that word. Shut down your forty nine ninety nine a month influencer factory if you really don't like grooming, because that's what you're doing. Well, anything you want to plug? Anything you've got that you want to talk about that you've got, you know, the website, obviously, bullshito.net. Yeah, I mean, we still have a forums community. Uh, they're... Now they're spread out all over the damn internet. We, there are forums on bullshito.net. Um, they're they're pretty active. There's, but it's 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 a sort of a smaller clique of of dudes that are just uh, just bickering with each other. So I mean, if you want to wade into that, feel free. It's a it's a wretched hive of <laughs> scum and villainy. Um, I mean, we've got an active subreddit uh, at you know bullshito r bullshito, and then uh, Twitter, Facebook is garbage. I usually. Uh, spend my time that I have on the Facebook page, just trolling the people that follow us there. Uh, there is a group <laughs> on Facebook. That's a little less garbage. And the only reason that it's less garbage is because we have an eighth grade math question that you have to answer correctly to get into the group, um, which hey, roughly 70% yeah. of the people clever. fail it. So, I'm not even kidding. Wow. It, it's like <laughs> seven out of 10 can't pass just basic um, order of operations question. <laughs> <laughs> wow i love that it. really love bodes it. well for the future we're, just, we're gonna build a lot of rocket ships with that well frost thank <laughs> you very much it was wonderful having you on i'm glad we got to do this like i said i've been a fan for it years really so it's awesome to get to actually talk to you and hear some of this stuff thank you and appreciate your time today yeah no it's been great guys thanks for having me on no problem thank thanks you very so much. much thanks for listening to the did nothing wrong podcast if you want to hear more you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong. <laughs>